Now, these things became our examples so that we would not desire evil things as they did and become idolaters as some of them. As it is written, they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Let us not tempt Christ, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain, as some of them complained, and were destroyed by the destroyer. And all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the age have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape, so that you may be able to bear it. Okay, what is the overall danger referenced in this passage? What topic? What's he really concerned that they stay away from? Idolatry. Um, so what is the possible connection between unity, our bigger theme, and idolatry? How do those two connect? I can't. I can't hear you. You commit to them. You commit to them. Okay. Well, you you commit. Um, okay. What what idolatry is he referencing specifically? In terms of their personal. Okay, so so we'll we'll come to application, right? But but he's referencing actual idolatry in the city, right? And and so he's he's been talking about the the altar of, of demons kind of, and, and so there was Aphrodite worship, that big temple up the hill. Um, that uh, and, and so we would make applications to personal types of idolatry, and we're going to come to that uh, later. Um, so, so how is unity a part of this topic then? Okay. Okay, so so you have a mixed group, and some have that in their background, and some don't. So what is the responsibility? What's that? Okay. Well, okay, so so to tolerate the kind of the weaknesses. I think there's also a responsibility to to keep people from that, to to you know to have an active role in in others' lives and understand that there's that's there's still that pull. Just because you come a, become a uh, you know a Christian, you come to God, that didn't mean now we would well you just stop going to Aphrodite's temple, right? You just stop that, yeah. Um, yeah, Mark. Same thing that happens today. Yeah. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean there are temptations. 
Okay, so, so this is really applicable. Uh, even though there's not that part of our society at all. I, I mean, really, there's, there's no... There's nothing that we would look at, I think, in our society and say it's really similar uh, in terms of uh, the easy application. There are things in the culture that they talk about, you go, oh yeah, that's exactly the same. This one we kind of have to apply and look at ideas. I mean, there's no, I mean, there's other church buildings that people go to, but that's not really <laughs> the same. I mean, maybe the, the closest thing I could think of is, uh, is uh, we were driving out to um, Katie's uh, family in, um, in Nevada, and so we went through Salt Lake City, and we saw their temple. That's a creepy place. Right? There's like pentagrams and like it's it's all satanic symbols actually. There's no Christian. There's no crosses. No. There's no Christian symbology of any type in their thing. Like if you went to a Catholic church, you'd at least recognize the symbols. You might like say, "Wow, good grief! They have a lot of symbols and you know images." But at least they're Christian based. You know, like, like upside down stars is like, yeah, that's kind of creepy. <laughs> sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yes, it is. So, so that would be like the closest thing that I I would think of, you know. But even in there, uh, there aren't things that happen, to my knowledge, <laughs> that uh, uh, that are the same as what was happening here. And and they were proud of it, you know, in, in that culture. That was just a part of life. It was, it was pretty well known. So so we have to make application. Um, so we we are responsible to one another to to try to keep people from going back to those things that that they've left. Uh, we're to, to interact with one another and and be a support group, and I think that's a, a a part of unity. He illustrates this in a number of events that take place in um, in the Exodus. What are some of the things? Well, first of all, what's the first one he, he mentions? He, he, he draws on an illustration. Okay. And, and, and what is he, what, what illustration, how does he summarize that? Okay. Let's look at that, because that's odd, isn't it? Uh, what is, what, what, what events happen in the, in the crossing of the Red Sea? Okay, so, so so there's a concept which is important. Actually, that's really important in this. Um, okay, so that comes on later. So we're, that's in the rebellions. But in the actual crossing, what's what event is significant there? Okay, so how is this a reference to baptism? They did not get wet. <laughs> is that does that like seem odd to anybody else? So, so right. It's not like a right, like yeah. So, so okay. So, so he's drawing on a metaphor, and I think he's trying to. I think the idea that he's trying to accomplish is what we're trying to do. Sometimes you kind of have to like really work through a metaphor to try to apply it. 
like we're talking about their idolatry to what idolatry looks today. It's like, okay, let's, you, they don't have a temple that all these things happen in, in our society like they did. So he's trying to get their mind to a place where they can visualize what their life is supposed to be like now in regards to the past. So he's going to try to take something from there and apply it. So baptism is like is like crossing the Red Sea. It is kind of what he's saying. So so there's walls of water and and so to complete the illustration, what were they under? They were under a cloud. So, so they were completely surrounded, in other words. So, so, so what's the obvious illustration then to baptism? I think Ray said it, that they were kind of like the old lives that they were in, in slavery in Egypt is dead, that's gone. Okay. They're, they're reborn into a new Okay, so, so th- that's going to be a part of the, the life application. But, the, but just sticking with the concept of baptism, he's drawing an illustration to what they would obviously recognize, right? He, if they don't recognize the thing that he's talking, in other words, you, you work from, if you draw a metaphor to something, and it, so there's something abstract and something <coughs> concrete, you have to recognize the concrete to understand the metaphor, right? So they understand baptism, and that's the metaphor he's using. So if, if he's drawing the illustration that they were completely surrounded, they're not going to understand that concept unless baptism is a complete surrounding, right? In other words, it's not sprinkling. If baptism was done by sprinkling, they would never, this would not make sense to them they would not get the metaphor. But they were completely surrounded by water. Cloud and walls of water. And that's the, that's, that's, that's the introduction to the metaphor. We're going to get to the spiritual part of this in just a second. Sprinkling is a whole different word, though. Yes, yeah. And I, I don't want to get into Greek. Uh, but it, it, it just it, it illustrates to me, it, it illustrates... It, it, Every time there's a metaphor in the Bible, it draws on, you know, like burial. Right? Every metaphor in the Bible of baptism is always a complete surrounding. Just you'll, you'll notice that as you anywhere you read in the New Testament. Uh, say so. Uh, so then we get to another weird metaphor. So they ate the same spiritual food. What was the same spiritual food that they ate? Manna. Why would that be spiritual? I mean, it, it didn't have any spiritual value. It was bread. Or okay, it was bread. It was just normal, whatever it was made of. Okay, it was spiritual in the sense that it was miraculous. Again, he's using a metaphor. He's trying to draw some things. It's kind of a little stretch. But we're going to talk about the spiritual the spiritual food. What's our spiritual bread? What did Christ say? Your fathers all ate that food in the wilderness and died. I, the bread of life. So he's using that metaphor. It's the same metaphor. Spiritual food. Manos. Miraculous. 
But this is miraculous and spiritual on a different level. Okay? Now we're going to get really kind of in the weeds. Uh, So they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of the rock that followed them. What rock followed them? Like, you know, there's a whole group of people going through the wilderness and you see like a, a rock bouncing behind them. Like that, that we're, this is kind of really stretching the metaphor. What rock followed them? Okay, so he's, he's talking about the, the substance of that metaphor is Christ. But to what is he, what rock, what actual rock sort of followed them? Or how, maybe. <coughs> Every time they complained about water, what what happened? Okay. Hit the rock. Out comes water. Miraculously. And, and so we kind of learn here, it was Christ doing that. It, was, it wasn't Moses' magic stick. Right? Uh, kind of Moses got in trouble. Must we bring water for you? And uh, and and it's like Moses never did any of that. Moses was just there with a stick. It was Christ that was following them. And every time they needed water, God said, "Here's a rock." And here, over here, oh, here's a rock. And it's like that magic rock followed them throughout the wilderness. And it was really Christ the whole time. So as I said, it, it kind of it feels like it's stretching a metaphor, but he's doing so because it's not really a great metaphor, and he's just trying to get their brains to visualize what was really happening in the wilderness, so that he can make the application uh, for you know that makes sense maybe in our world. Um, <clears throat> so we're gonna go back and oh. So what other, what other metaphors are there in here that happen in the Exodus? And we'll go back through these and, and, and kind of make some applications. What other things happen? Well, my little study thing here says there's a possible allusion to the Lord's Supper with the manna. Okay, so so the, he's referenced baptism, and, and it is possible that he's referencing. Uh, there's a definite reference to communion later. There's no question. I mean, he he. That's a clear reference. Uh, uh, we're not going to get into that today, um, but that's in verse. That's um, down in verse uh, 15. Um, so. Um, and, and from there, so so it's possible that the manna is a reference to that. But um, I, I would just I would be in the early part of that chapter. I'd just be conservative and say that's referencing Christ. That'd be my safer feel. But 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 it's it's clear that in verse 15, communion is mentioned by name. So um, <clears throat> maybe he's setting that up in this early part. But in the Exodus, so we're now after the Exodus. What happens? What events happen? He that he he describes a few of them. Mm-hmm. They went back into some of their old habits. Okay. And punished them for 
Right. So, so that's kind of what we were talking about, that, that desire to go back to that old paganism. And, and, and it, it's still present in people. And, and, and we look at them and go, well, well you're on the other side. I mean, just be normal. And you're free of it, and you're, you got rid of uh, Pharaoh, and that's that's behind you, and uh, you should you should be thankful and and just live the the good life and get up and have your your own place. You just be different. We have that expectation of them, and it seems perfectly natural that we would have that expectation of them when it comes to applying this. You know, in our time, it's a little bit harder. Well, yeah, but you know, this, this stuff is all around us, and I can, uh, I can make all the excuses. It's a little, it's harder, right? It's harder now. Go back their own baggage, basically. You know, yeah. Yeah. Yep. They brought it. They brought a lot of stuff out with them, <laughs> not just gold. So, so they, um, it says they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. What, what is that reference? I think it's referencing the feast of the um, golden calf. Okay. Rose up to play worship. Okay. Yeah, that's that's quite possible. I I don't know to what it re- refers specifically, or maybe it's just a general. This was their mindset. They were just not a serious people. You know, um, and kind of that their mind was on their entertainment. Well, that that's completely has nothing to do with our society at all. You don't you don't see that at all in our society. Um, what else? What else in this? There's a direct reference to when God got. I know my brain didn't punish them with the snakes. Okay. They all right. Okay, so so there is one event that is clearly referred to. Other than that, I think it's just general their character and general behavior is referenced. I'm not going to turn there, uh, but he's re- referring to Numbers 25. Now we we um, we know the story of Balaam and the donkey, and he was asked to curse him, and and it, the story seems to end there, right? Like, uh, like, okay, Balaam did the good thing. He didn't want to, but he did the good thing at the end. And uh, and then the New Testament, we, we find out Balaam was a bad guy. Wait a minute, I thought Balaam wouldn't curse God and wouldn't curse the Israelites. And the problem was he wanted to. And so God kept on saying, you really don't want to do that. You're not getting the message, so I'm going to have my donkey talk to you. Um, and, and you might want to, oh, there's an angel. I didn't see that. Okay, yeah, I really don't want to do this. So, so that's kind of, but so what Balaam does later is he plots with a local king because he's, he's not a Jew, he's a pagan. Uh, he plots with a king and they get a bunch of Moabite women and kind of send them over. So, a, a traveling band of women and that seems pretty interesting to the to the some of the the Hebrew men. And and he says, listen. And 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 he's right. 
if they get involved with these women, they'll worship idols, which is they're not supposed to do that. So we just send these women, they'll have idols, and we will destroy them because their God doesn't like that. And he's waiting, he's waiting for God to smoke them off the planet. Problem solved. So, uh, so he says, and that's when the plague occurs. Uh, and we find out that thousands and thousands of people die because of that. Uh, so, so you see the extent to which that worked. Right? So, um, 23,000 people in this traveling band got involved with this with this plot that that Balaam I mean it worked uh, so so what are some um, he says now in verse 11 he says these things were written for our admonition for our warning in other words it, they're examples these are metaphors these are examples that we can take and apply to us today and that's how, that's how they, they taught. They didn't have a New Testament, so they would take stories from the Old Testament, from their history uh, as Jews. You know, some of the pagans weren't familiar with these stories, so it was up to the Jews to familiarize them with them and then draw applications to today. So even though this happened in a Jewish thing, it's like, hey, okay, you, you guys are pagans and and you know, or came from pagan backgrounds. Listen, this kind of stuff happened to us too. Right? Uh, we're, we're familiar with this. Um, so this is a warning to stay away. So th th they taught using the Old Testament. It was it, These things were written down so we could get something from it. Uh, <clears throat> so how was, what was their rebellion? He talks about their rebellion. How? What were the items in their rebellion that, uh, or if we look at idolatry, what idolatry is in reality, and, and and how this rebellion showed itself that are similar to today. What is similar? Well, it's in a, a lot about um, about what Christ was actually giving them, but. They didn't realize that, and they were thinking about the stuff they didn't have. Okay, so so sure, yeah. So they 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 were they always thought about what they didn't have. <laughs> that's true, um, and, and that's similar. We do that. We we get something and we're used to it pretty quick, and we think about the stuff we don't have. Uh, every while something will jog your mind and go, you remember that? Like wow. We, I, I was just thinking about moving into my apartment once, and it's like I didn't have a toaster. Like of all the weird things not to have when you move, like for a year, I don't know why I never bought one. It's like I used to make toast in a pan. I'm like I feel like my great grandmother or something, you know? Like <laughs> it's like what? you just think of that, and then you're like, where am I now? And then all the things that we have and conveniences, and you just so it's like I just I figured it out, you know. Uh, we 
we do spiritually, we kind of just get accustomed to having it, and and it to reflect on where you've been and and um, you know what blessings you have. Sure, that's a, I think an important you know it focuses your mind. So what is idolatry? Okay, what comes between me and God? Why? Why is it? Why is idolatry what comes between me and God? That's an interesting way that you phrase it. Your focus is not right. Okay, my focus is on what? Myself. Okay, sometimes myself, or whatever the thing is. Right? In reality, it's not just, I mean, that's right. It comes between me and God but because the thing becomes God. Right? That's what idolatry is. I no longer need God in my mind because I have this thing. And that's their idolatry. Uh, we don't know what's happened to Moses. Uh, he's up there. It's thunder and lightning. Here are your gods that brought you out of Egypt. And they make the golden calf. Right? They no longer need. Now they've just said, oh God, we're going to worship you and we're going to do everything. Now God's up there with Moses. We don't need that here because we have this here. This has become, like you said, this has come between me and God because this is God. Now. Or my representation of God. Um, now, we don't make big shiny cows. So again, it's like, uh, that, that doesn't really... It's really not the same. So we kind of have to dig to find... I think when you think about what they were worshipping and why, you know, so many times it was fertility or it was for mm-hmm. crops. And, and, you know, we do that. Oh, you nailed You nailed a major part of idolatry. A major concept of idolatry is what you look to to do what God does. Right? So you don't need God because you have the things that bring what God brings. With God comes, we look to God for success, right? We're taught to look to God for various types of success. Or uh, blessing. God brings blessing. Uh, we look to God for protection. right? Um, so, so they had all these aspects of their religion that they invoked or set up to do the things really that God said he does for us. So, so we're going to, um, um, that's actually a little bit later, I want to come back to that. So, um, uh, let's see, well, no, maybe, maybe we're, I kind of skipping around in my notes. I don't know if it's off topic or not, but the plagues themselves Okay, yeah, yeah. So, that's, that's true. And for two reasons, uh, for two reasons, that's, that's a really good point. That, um, that the plagues attacked the deities of Egypt. Now, what, what two reasons might that be? What two things, or I should say, um, what two good things might come from that? Okay, so from the Jewish perspective... <laughs> To, I, to see that the things that they 
have been raised with, they're going to leave. They should not take that with them because, like you said, that all that baggage, don't pack that up because I'm illustrating for you that this is inferior to me. I have power over this. I have power over the Red Sea. I have power over dung beetles. I have power over whatever, you know, whatever things that these gods are. You know, I have power over these things. Um, so, uh, so there's that. But also to, to show the Egyptians, don't mess with me. I control your gods. <laughs> I am God above gods. So don't mess with me, don't mess with my people, just for future reference. So, so those were the two things that God, I think, wanted to accomplish with that. So, so he says in verse 12, pay attention so that you don't fall. In other words, these are metaphors, pay attention. Uh, try to apply this, these are difficult. I understand these are difficult illustrations, but we kind of need to, because we can, we can look back at, at you know, thousands of years ago and say, well, what dumb people they were. And then I'm not paying attention and I'm going to do the same dumb things that they did if I'm not paying attention. And so this is why we, we get to that, to that point of the application. Um, I, I kind of I said I was going to come back to a point, but I'm not sure where it went. So I want to get back to he talked about the spiritual food and drink. That's Christ. Um, so avoiding and so maintaining unity. Is going to what's the agent then that 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 assists this? He's drawn their mind to Christ. I I do think that there's a an aspect whether it's what he's specifically referring to or not that we come here each week and we draw our mind to Christ. Whether or not he's specifically talking about communion here, but what happens in communion is certainly a part of that idea that, that we're all here for one purpose. We all meet together for one purpose. And, and, and that maintaining that part of our life and, and keeping that ceremony is supposed to send me out amongst the pagans with an idea in my mind of who I am and who my God is and to help me resist those influences. Right? I think that's an important application uh, to remember that I've... Uh, so, so we talked about it earlier. I think we're going to... That was one of the things we wanted to come back to with the, the baptism. We were baptized. And, and what was one of the concepts that, that this baptism, other than the being underneath and the surrounding, what was the more significant idea? The leaving. The separation. That's also important, by the way, in the concept of baptism. 
that baptism is the point in which you leave. That's the cutoff point. It's not saying a sinner's prayer. They hadn't left when they were sitting on the other side saying, okay, time to go. They hadn't left yet. They weren't baptized in the walls of water and cloud yet. It's, it's that point. Again, that will be consistent with every metaphor. Buried, to, buried in Christ, rise to walk in newness of life. That, that metaphor repeats itself over and over and over. <coughs> it's always the same. The separation comes in baptism. Um, and so it's expected that life afterwards looks a little bit different. He talks about rebellion. What does rebellion look like and idolatry look like today? Doesn't look the same, does it? I mean, the sexual immorality maybe look the same. Not too different. That's about the same all the time. I mean, there's different. The technology might be different. Let's let's stay away from the obvious one. The obvious one is wealth, right? That's an obvious idol. And we talk about that a lot. So I don't want to... We look at what we have, and that comes in the way of God. That's an obvious idol. That's, that's also been similar, right? They made a shiny golden image. We like shiny... We're like ra- People are like raccoons. We like shiny things. Right? We just get attracted to shiny things. Guy gets a gadget, it will be shiny. Okay. Yeah. That. Place of God. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Mother Nature, all that stuff is that. There's there's certainly a a worship of that. It, it it's similar. It's very and it's very pagan too. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I get all my, you know, that's my church. Well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, it, and nature doesn't expect much of me. The very low standards, and that makes it very easy. Right. Uh, so, um, so there's a, an idolatry. Yeah, yeah, and that, those are always connected. Those are always connected. You look to the stars. Man has to look out. Man has to look somewhere. Uh, just astrology has short sight. That's all. Just it stops at stars. <laughs> when you think of the people that you know that you know that have the um, the faith that you shared with them, and they um, tends to be an intelligence, a fear of ridicule. Okay. All right. So I think you really had the first one. Um, a form of idolatry is, uh, and this goes back to the concept of what we look to when uh, when we are um, when we're replacing God with something. Typically, it's me. 
and we're going towards my solutions for the things that God provides. Intelligence is one of them, right? Uh, my ability to work a problem. Now, God has given us intelligence. I don't want to say that we can't do anything and we're completely helpless and we should never look for natural solutions to problems. Some, some solutions have natural answers. But when we get to the point where our physical inclinations replace spiritual answers, that's the problem. And that was they their all of their protect all of their things they attributed to themselves and to this shiny cow instead of God. And and even in our abilities we should still be attributing those to God who gave us that. Um, so so intelligence is is a, an incredible one I think in our application I, and. Maybe, maybe they had that then. Man has always thought he's smart. Uh, you know, education is, I think, a little bit more of a god now than it was then. Well, certainly. No, I mean, you think of the philosophies that they sought after. You know, I, I think that you can go to college to get more teachers. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, that was a big thing with the Greeks. You know, that everything was philosophy and knowledge. <laughs> Yep. And that's an arrogance on man's part. Right. Knowledge is not a bad thing. No, 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 no. It's the, the knowledge that you then take and say, I did this. Right. This it, right. And, and, <clears throat> right. And, and uh, using it to replace, using it to replace God. Um, my intelligence becomes uh, so high that I don't need this. I become smarter than this. Uh, and 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 the Bible, well, maybe here or maybe there, maybe the apostles really, maybe they were misogynists or you know whatever we, they were out of date. That that thing we don't do anymore because you know that was then and this is now and we've we've learned and we've gotten smarter. Like it, it, I my intelligence replaces God. We see a lot of that today. Sure. You know, where people say, I had one individual, you know, very, very intelligent individual. <coughs> his statement was, well, if you believe in that kind of stuff. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> it works. It's always worked. You know, I've seen people on both sides of those extremes. Yeah. One of my college professors was the smartest man I think I've ever known, and he was highly religious. Hmm. Yes. But I've seen people who think right. that their science is their religion. Right, right. yes. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's what, and again, it's it's your attribution of that. Is it there to replace God, or is it there to be your God? And, uh, or is it there to to point? I should say, there to point you to God, or be your God? Right. So, why don't we close there? Thank you for. Oh. Right. Yeah. That's that's absolutely true. You don't believe in that. Actually, it's irrelevant down here. Right. Other than 